You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, you know what that means when you hear the cadence call. That means that we've got a show, and the show involves a veteran, and he it's called Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we've got to remember that time period and our veterans that served during that, that time. And uh, we have... Phil on the line, as always. Phil Farsberg. And uh, Phil, how are you doing this morning? Phil, how are you doing this morning? I'm well. Can you hear me, David? I can hear you. Yes, sir. Loud and clear. Five by five. Okay. So um, we're going to get started, and we're going to have some uh, topical questions today for Phil. And... uh, uh, some of the things that uh, you're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com. What did I do? I forgot to take it off of chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, well, we do thank you for listening, and uh, hope that everybody's doing well on this uh, week, three or four days before Christmas now, and uh, that brings us to the point of that we had started something here, Phil, that I'm going to continue, and that's uh, service people praying for uh, veterans, veterans praying for veterans. And uh, we started it because of my good friend that uh, uh, passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he de- died of the uh, effects of Agent Orange. So at the start of every veteran's show, we take out just one minute and ask everybody that, or anybody to uh, pray for our veterans and our, our past, present, and future military it is so important. And that makes it doubly important here in Georgia with the election coming up that we keep our two Senate seats so we can keep a strong military. So with that being said, we'll come back to Phil in about one minute. so blessed to have such a wonderful country to grow up in and a military that has kept us safe and strong and men and women both that will raise their hand and offer the ultimate to protect you and me and we have the most wonderful veterans of any country in the world and the rest of the world knows it And we are blessed by these men and women that served recently or many years ago. It's hard to believe, but Vietnam was was 50 years ago. And uh, I just want to take this opportunity to uh, bless each and every one of them. And that as we go into this time of year that we keep in mind what it's really all about. 
And uh, we thank each and every veteran. Thank you. So, Phil, let's let's talk about this time of season, okay? All right. And uh, while you were while you were in uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, one thing that always I, I believe there's the old saying: the military or the army marches on its stomach. Is that correct? Uh, I think that was Napoleon said that. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, he he was military in his own way. But anyway, so I, I have always been amazed and impressed with the way the military handles holidays, and that is that um, they know that everybody is lonesome, they miss their family, they miss the gatherings, they miss a lot of things, but the military always puts out the, the, the holiday chow. And I guess I should uh, salute some of our military cooks, uh, even the guys that had to pull KP back when they had KP. I think all of today is uh, is uh, contract labor, but uh, back in my era, it was still people had to uh, pull KP unless they figured a way out of it. So what was it like in Desert Shield and Desert Storm? I believe the... Uh, one of the one of the uh, princes or whatever uh, had a had a special operation for you all right we uh, <clears throat> we did have a, a, a special Christmas meal our cooks did our cooks were fantastic but they uh, you know that uh, because of uh, the situation there the the uh, the king actually provided us many of our meals, usually our evening meal and our 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 breakfast was prepared by usually our cooks, and then we usually had a, some sort of uh, what we call a C for lunch or MRE. <clears throat> but uh, on Christmas Day of uh, of nineteen ninety, which was my only Christmas to spend in Saudi Arabia, um, we. Our cooks put on a special meal. They had ordered in ham and, and turkey, and and they they just did a, a great job, and it, it was wonderful. I mean, part of the problem you don't want to you don't want to remind folks of home too much, uh, but you do want to you know treat them well and uh, show them appreciation. Well, what uh, besides the food and. I don't know how long you'd been in country by Christmas, um, but I know you'd already made. I'm sure you'd already made friends. And what what did uh, your platoon or or uh, squad platoon company whatever did you what did you all do for Christmas? Well, you know we had the mission at hand, so uh, it really the only. Festivity was uh, a, uh, a a meal, and I think we probably had a, uh, a you know a chaplain did a service uh, that that we observed uh, the celebration of, of Christmas and its uh, theological ramifications. But uh, the uh, you know we, the mission still had to get done. There was there's no day off or anything like that. So. 
Um, you, you take a short break to uh, to get your holiday done, and then uh, you, you know back to work. Right, and I guess you never really, uh, no matter what the day is, you never really, uh, like you said, you don't stop the mission. No, you can't stop the mission. And what was the, what was the uh, brass doing? Um, well, I, you know, I was a captain at the time, so, uh, and, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of my troops that regarded me as brass, but, uh, the folks above me, I didn't, uh, I really didn't, uh, have too much to deal with. Uh, on, on that particular day, I recall, if I'm not mistaken, that was the day we had a, a very bad sandstorm, um, one of the things folks don't realize about uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, it, it does get cold. It, you know, uh, started cool off in around November. By December, you know, you had to wear a jacket and gloves, and uh, and then of course they don't get much rain there. But what they do get, they get in uh, in December and January. The, the uh, what they call sand there, where we were was not nice like uh you know white beach sand or anything it, it's more like gravel and clay mixed together it's very dusty but it makes a fine mud when the, when it does rain so it was you know, cold and rainy and muddy and and then of course the the uh the wind picked up and we had a lovely sandstorm uh, i wasn't flying that day because my soldiers um I had some soldiers that were liaisons to various units. Uh, I had one at the 101st Airborne Division. I had one at the 24th Infantry Division. And I had one at the uh, 18th uh, Airborne Corps Tactical Operations Center. And uh, so I spent most of that day on the road uh, bringing mail uh, to my guys and you know, checking on their morale and their health and welfare, see how they're treated and, and find out, you know, did they have needs that uh, I had to take care of. But that was that was several hundred miles in a truck that day visiting those guys. You don't have to describe sandstorms to me. I'm from West Texas, and uh, <laughs> I grew up with sandstorms, but... Uh, Probably not to uh, compare with Saudi Arabia and, and a whole desert of blowing at you or whatever. Um, did that? Did the sandstorms bring out complaints, particularly, or oh, you know, this weather? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, uh, well, it was really no no shortage of stuff to complain about. We complained about the heat till it got cold. We can about never seeing a cloud in the sky until it started raining all the time. Um, we used to say, you know, to cheer each other up, we would say, there's a pretty girl behind every tree here in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> of course, there are no trees. So. And no trees, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, was, uh, what did your company do as far as did some of the buddies exchange... Uh, Six packs, or or Johnny Walker Red, or <laughs> well, uh, you know, contrary to uh, m- 
most of uh, our other conflicts that we've been involved in up until that time, uh, we were under a no alcohol order. Hmm. Uh, so there was no alcohol in theater, uh, ostensibly. Um, and uh, they, uh, they provided us plenty of uh, other beverages, uh, bottled water, of yeah. course. That come to uh, find out was in in, in uh, carcinogenic bottles. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, so far, I don't have cancer, but uh, I think there are a lot more dangerous things over there uh, than than the bottles. Um, we uh, when we had um, they used to bring in pallets of uh, soft drinks and. Uh, and then uh, I guess uh, whoever it was that makes that uh, O'Doul's uh, alcohol-free beer, we used to get pallets of that. Um, wasn't uh, wasn't to everybody's liking, but uh, we we took to calling it Abdul's instead of O'Doul's. <laughs> that uh, now there's there's always at least one prankster in in a platoon if not in the company so did you did any uh, pranksters uh, show their head on uh, between Christmas and New Year's or uh, did anybody okay did anybody dress up as Santa Claus <laughs> yeah I think our uh, our company commander did Mike Drum uh, he uh, he was pretty good sport about stuff like that and uh, you know, uh, it was uh, it was good. And you know, we 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 got a lot of packages from home, uh, and that was not just at Christmas time, but we did get a lot of packages. Mostly, you know, the stuff that uh, that we received, um, we wanted we wanted stuff that we could consume and not have to. Uh, be like real property or anything we had to bring back with us um you know our our motto is if you tell me it's time to leave saudi arabia and give me an hour to pack i'll give you back 59 minutes change <laughs> yeah so uh, but but we did get we did get a lot of packages from home uh especially cakes and, and cookies, brownies, nuts, and candies and things like that. And, it, you know, each soldier kind of got more than really could handle. We used to just put it out of, like, a community table, and you walk through the company orderly room, and you just pick up a handful of this or a couple of brownies or whatever. I, I ate everything I could get my hands on while I was there, and I still lost about 25 pounds. Wow. And you attribute that to? I don't know. Maybe stress, um, lack of sleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, we, you know, we, it's not like we had time to exercise. Although, at the end of you know our six months there, they told us we had to take a physical fitness readiness test. Before they let us go back to the states, thought that was a little <laughs> humorous. But, you know, after the war, they're going to check our readiness for war. Right. On that note, we're going to take our first break, and um, 
We'll be back with Phil right after a couple of messages. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the health care market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. This is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warrior to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who've been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio, for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at noon on January 28th. On the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com, thank you for listening. And uh, we're back with Phil Forsberg, who was serving in Saudi Arabia in Christmas of, uh, did you say 1990? Was that, or, was that it, or was it... December of 1990, Okay, uh, and uh, I had been there for two months at that time. Uh, prior to that, I had spent uh, all of the previous year separated from my wife, and I just returned uh, from a, 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 a short tour overseas, um, and w- so we deployed, uh, and of course, at, at the time of, you know, December come around, uh we were there was no such thing as desert storm we were in desert shield we, uh, we didn't have any definitive mission other than that we were supposed to protect saudi arabia uh we didn't know if there would be any combat you know uh we were just kind of a, a force there uh in between saddam and and uh, the saudis and uh, we uh you know a lot of ambiguity and uh, a lot of folks, you know, just wanted to know if you if you tell me what you want, I'll just do it, and we'll, we can get this over with. Um, we didn't know how long we would be there, and and our families, you know, when we would talk to them or get a letter from, them, you know, they would be asking us questions about when are you coming home and the things we couldn't answer, you know, and we, we had been told numerous times by our leadership, we're you know we're telling you everything we know. Uh, which is we're here so we're told not to be here um, and of course you know it started to get cold in November and by December it was sort of rainy 
uh, nasty, uh, muddy. Um, we didn't have any um, vermin around, really, until we started having water, and then they just seemed to pop up out of the sand, everything from flies to uh, scorpions and snakes and foxes. and uh, wow. it was, uh, You know, somehow they just show up. But uh, I, I was trying to remember back, and, and it doesn't seem like it was that long, but the reality of it is that's 30 years ago. Um, but what were the electronics like then? Well, uh, the, you know, of course, the, the equipment I had was uh, early Vietnam era stuff uh, in my aircraft, the OV-1 Mohawk. Um, so it was not... Uh, it was not really cutting edge stuff. We didn't have uh, GPS at the time. There was, they were just putting the satellites in place, and uh, some folks had these handheld GPSs, but nobody really knew how to use them or what they were. Um, so, what about communications? Were there any communications? Uh... We did not have internet. Okay. Uh, we weren't. We didn't have. You know, people didn't walk around with mobile phones all the time thirty years ago. Um, and uh, when we did, uh, so my my soldiers that were liaisons to the various other units, uh, they had some some pretty technical equipment with them, and uh, I was repi- required to give a, a, a status update, you know, every evening to our battalion, and uh, the only way I could communicate with them was over an HF radio system that they referred to. I think they called it the Gold Wing or something like that. But uh, it was most unreliable in a lot of atmospheric conditions. Um, they would claim sunspots or whatever. I don't, you know, so, uh, so don't know really how it worked other than uh, a lot of times when I needed it, it didn't. So in reality, uh, you all weren't a whole lot further ahead than during World War Two. As, uh, like you said, your family would send you letters, you'd return letters, it would take, what, probably a couple of weeks at best? Yeah, we, uh, I received my first email ever while I was in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, my brother was working for IBM at the time, and they were testing out a new digital communications thing called Prodigy. <laughs> and uh, so he sent a, a short message to somebody somewhere in theater, and uh, somebody printed it off and uh, delivered it to my unit uh, for me. But uh, So that was the first email I ever received. Wow. I may have it somewhere. <laughs> wow. That. And But you weren't able to return it, huh? No, I had no way of returning it. No, um, no had, internet. Uh, we had just received, uh, you know, some cutting-edge stuff just before we left where you could uh, actually send a facsimile of a document. Mm-hmm. Um, quality wasn't real good. It uh, it took quite a long time, and, of course, it was over a, a voice telephone line. And it was, uh, But it was magic back then. Oh, yeah. Was that... Uh was that the one that had the big barrel thing on it, or it was a uh, like a tube that turned around and? and yeah, this thing had a drum, and I remember yeah, you, you kind of hooked the page to it, and it would kind of spin around as it scanned it. Uh, 
didn't didn't really know how it worked back then, and by now it's in a museum somewhere. <laughs> well, we've we've come a long way, and we've come a long way uh, in warfare as well. And uh, you know, so you're what? What did you and and your best friends in in country do in theater do? On on Christmas, I can barely hear you, David. Okay, on on Christmas, um, what what did you and your best friends do that day? Just think about well, home? that day. Like I said, I was out, you know, most oh, yeah. of the day driving uh, to visit my troops. Yeah, in a sandstorm, um, you know, uh, as as I said before, we didn't really know. Uh, what, what our mission was there, other than protecting Saudi Arabia, uh, President George H.W. Bush, you know, was the one that sent us there. And uh, a month earlier, Thanksgiving, he had come uh, to have Thanksgiving dinner with our troops, and I had to provide two of my soldiers to go, you know, be a representative to go sit with him and eat. And uh, he, uh, when they came back, I asked him, well, you know, what did the president have to say? And they said, well, uh, first of all, but, uh, nobody's going to spend any more time here in country than is absolutely necessary, which made us very happy. And it's number two, he said, uh, no one goes home until the mission is completed. So, uh, we were all kind of steeled, you know, there was all sorts of, you know, um, parallels being drawn to Vietnam and we we're going to do one year and get relieved and all that business but that was not the vision that the president had um, and of course at that time uh, our uh, the president's secretary of state was a guy by the name of James Baker mm-hmm. and uh, he was working uh, to tell the Iraqis that they needed to get out of Kuwait um, and they they um, were very reluctant to do that, and he was having a hard time with them. And uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, our president's uh, opposition political politicians they were accusing him of all sorts of things, anywhere from uh, blood for oil, or he's carrying out a personal vendetta against Saddam Hussein, and. Uh, I do recall that they used the threat of uh, funding for our troops as sort of a cudgel to uh, make the president break his promise of no new taxes. Uh, So he agreed, in the interest of funding our troops, he agreed to some new taxes, and as a result, they later accused him of breaking his promise to the American people, which I thought was a pretty pretty bad thing to do. But... uh, you know, I remember it very, very clearly. Um, you know, uh, and another thing people don't realize at the time was that uh, the Soviet Union was still around. They were looming large. They were quite interested in, you know, what we were doing in that area. Um, and uh, they not only had they, you know, sold all the equipment to Iraq, but they also had military advisors and technical representatives uh, assisting the Iraqi forces in quite a, a substantial number. So, um, 
we, you know, we really we didn't know what was going to transpire with with the Soviet Union as well. You know, I, I don't recall much of that being reported at all. Uh, you know, I guess we knew they were there, and and uh, I was. I guess they were the ones that had supplied uh, some or part of uh, the. Uh, Weapons of mass destruction. Well, I mean, the, the Scud missiles came from uh, the Soviet Union. Um, some of their aircraft, not all. Um, the Iraqis had a mix of uh, some French and some Soviet uh, aircraft, nothing too sophisticated. But then again, as you'll recall, um, the the I think the Iraqi Air Force only flew one mission on uh, the beginning of the air war, and that was to evacuate the country. <laughs> Get out of Dodge. <laughs> they parked all their aircraft over in Iran and uh, waited for further instructions. <laughs> how, how good was the Saudi Air Force? The Saudi Air Force? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Of course, I didn't deal a lot with Saudi Air Force, but uh, they had American equipment, and they were, you know, American-trained. I think they were trained uh, somewhere up in North Texas. Shepard Air Force Base, I think, is where they trained them. Uh, and all the reports I got about the Saudi Air Force was they were pretty hot, pretty good guys. Hmm. Okay, so I ask you about what you did. How how on Christmas and so forth? How long did it take to get the letter and the pictures and stuff from your family here? Uh, I would say somewhere around a week or so we could get a letter. The delay time, I I think, as I recall, was about a week. And how did it make you feel? Well. You know, when you're when you're stuck out there, you're kind of almost in jail. Except you got you know this job to do. You, your your time is not your own, and uh, you know there's. We used to joke there's kind of there's a few benchmarks to, to tick off the days. There's three meals. Um, there's uh, there's your you know personal hygiene. There's your bowel movements, and uh, and there's mail call, and that's. You know, those those are the high points of your day. Um, so, uh, not to get a letter was a little bit deflating. Hmm. So, you know, this this is something that I I keep harping on, and it, it's a crying shame that only one percent of our population ever serves. And it's another thing that our our representatives, most of them have never served, and the feelings that they they there's no way to imagine what you're going through at, at the time, you know and uh, I uh, I think they should all serve in some capacity and feel the feeling of lonesomeness, the feeling of 
of uh, not being with your family, not seeing maybe your son or daughter grow up the first six months or even year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, they just, they, they can't, uh, they, there's no imagining it until you felt it in your stomach. Would that be a fair analogy? Well, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we pretty much knew that, you know, the life that we had chosen and, uh, you know, I've said this before. Um, I'm glad that that we have an all volunteer force because uh, these guys are getting compensated uh, at you know what it takes to keep them there. And uh, I can tell you that it gets Congress's attention uh, when our troops start voting with their feet and and uh, leaving the service when their commitments up and. Uh, they're all about how, how do we fix this and what do we need to pay them uh, what do we need to do for their retirement and their quality of life um, so you know uh, when you when you put conscription in there the draft you know you, you've got kind of a false economy you're you're right. compelling people to serve against their will no I, it doesn't I, give you the best kind of soldier uh, as I've mentioned many times I have a son that's uh active duty he's a major now in the air force and very well compensated and i've said this over and over again for any young person that's graduating from high school or graduating from college that doesn't know what they want to do i can sit here and comfortably guarantee that if they have an interest in something one of the branches will fill their interest and we'll give them, when they get out of the military, they will have a resume that companies are fighting over. And that's how good our military is today for civilians that raise their right hand and join. And whatever the commitment might be, if you're in the military and when you get out, you've got something that you've, been, you've had training in leadership that's second to none. And uh, I'm like you. The volunteer military gets the cream of the crop these days. And it's like we're, we're very blessed to have Rocky Blyer uh, that's doing some spots for us now. And we'll be working with uh, one, of the, one of the shows that we do. And, uh, you know, he's just fantastic. Got went back from... Uh, the military, he got a. I think he has a bronze star and a uh, at least one, if not two, purple hearts. And uh, then he went back to playing football with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, our military, without question, it is made up of the best of the best. And when they come out of it, they've been compensated. Their families have been taken care of, and that, in my opinion, is money and effort well spent. Well, I, I tend to agree with you. And, uh, you know, I think you'll allow me just a moment here, uh, David, to talk about um, uh, treating our veterans well because uh, it, it's so important. Uh, I, I uh, am a volunteer service officer with the Disabled American Veterans, and... Uh, you know, part of 
part of taking care of our troops is taking care of those you know who uh, have suffered uh, injury or or conditions that are brought on by their military service, and it's really hard to uh, to explain to those who uh, have never served uh, just the kind of things uh, that you can be subjected to uh, while serving on active duty. And you know, of course, these guys they know they know the dangers and things that are going on, but. It, it's so important for our country to stand behind our disabled vets and uh, and fulfill the promises of things that that uh, these guys have earned by their service. Amen. And you know, and taking it one step further, when you're working with them, you're also working with their families because they've you know. Losing an arm, a leg, an eye, or this or that or whatever, and uh, it's a new situation for their family. And uh, they come back, and as easy as it is for you and me to uh, go up the stairs, they may have to have ramps in many different places, or they may have to have a specially equipped house or whatever. And uh, I. Totally respect what you do, Phil. Totally. And uh, working with it. You know, this brings out another thing. And, you know, like I said, we've started the uh, Vets Praying for Vets. And I'd also like to encourage neighbors taking care of neighbors. And if, if you happen to have a neighbor that is disabled from his military or her military service for that matter then you don't have to do anything to pat yourself on the back just when you're at the grocery going to the grocery store ask his or her you know ask their other half if they can pick up something or just any little favor is appreciated and anything that you can do for your neighbor or or for somebody that you know that's a, a dis- disabled veteran, think about them and uh, do something for them. Well, I, I got to say, David, I, I wholeheartedly endorse acts of kindness, whether they're to uh, to service members or, or veterans or, or just uh, anybody who needs the help. I mean, it's, uh, it's such a noble thing to do. Uh, you know, talking about uh, holidays, not necessarily true about uh, our time in the desert, but uh, I can recall uh, folks when I was away from my family that opened their homes to me uh, and invited me uh, to spend some time with their families. It was it was very very encouraging. Um, it's difficult to to express just just how gratifying something like that is, um, and uh, I can recall a number of times uh, my family and I we would uh, go and uh, have soldiers over that uh, were single and away from their families and have them over for for Christmas time or or Thanksgiving during my years of service. Um, and if anybody would like to to do that, you know, the, probably the the way to to uh, get involved if if you're near any kind of military installation, we call you know contact the chaplain's office and say you know I'd like to open my home uh, to 
uh, you know, service members that, uh, you know, might be lonely at this time of year. Uh, that's that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, I don't do this frequently enough, but um, we've had uh, a, several chaplains on, uh, either two or three now. And uh, Mark Beatty, I don't know if you know Mark or not, but uh, uh, Mark was on and he's a wonderful chaplain. And the I don't know that, well, it's one of these things if, if you ain't been there, you ain't done it. So uh, the chaplains play such an incredibly important role in the military. I can only address the Army, but I'm sure it's the same in the Navy, Air Force, Marines, whatever, Coast Guard. But I know the how important the chaplains are and uh, talking about multitasking and, and you know... They have the same occupational hazards that uh, the front line does in many cases, and uh, they come through it, and they are they are the strength of many a soldier, and uh, they they provide. This is another place that our I don't again I can't address any other nation. All I can do is address ours, but our nation has done the right thing. By having such a a great chaplain group unit, whatever I don't even know what the whole organization is called, but uh, I know some, and they are fantastic, fantastic people. And doing, they have to specialize in about forty different jobs. Uh, they have to know the procedures of other religions. They have to know the procedures. They have to be psychiatrists, psychologists, and everything else. And I think they're great. Yeah. Uh, I can't say enough for uh, for the good chaplains. Um, so what else, David? What else would you like to know? Well, Keep in mind, I spent a lot of time trying to forget. Certainly. Certainly. Um Okay, how is it today going into the season? Going into the service? No, no, um, no, no, no. Going into the season, going into so, Christmas, and uh, is everything behind you, or, or can you put everything or most everything behind you and say, you know, this is what I missed, and I, I'm glad I'm here? Uh, you know, it, uh, having been uh, denied, you know, uh, some of the comforts uh, uh, just make them sweeter when you when you have them uh, and the family and all. Uh, you know, I know there are a lot of vets, way too many that uh, are suffering depression and uh, are uh, you know subject to uh, some real uh, problems because of you know what they've been through. Uh, and uh, if you know any vets. You know, might be uh, in trouble this time of year. I think it's an excellent time to check in on them. You know, be the buddy. Uh, you know, and uh, you know they don't they don't want to be treated like a mental patient, and they don't want to be treated like uh, uh, somebody who's dangerous. Or whatever. they just want to be treated like human beings. You know, a little bit of dignity um, and. Uh, 
goes a long way. If you have anybody uh, that, and I'm not just talking to you, David, of course, I'm talking to your audience. If there's anybody out there you know uh, of a service member, a veteran, who, uh, you know, could use uh, a buddy check, uh, this is an excellent time of year to do that. And one other thing that makes me extremely sad is the fact that one out of four homeless are veterans. And that's that's an absurd number for this country, you know? Yeah, uh, it's quite a, uh, you know, it, I'm uh, I'm pretty well adjusted, I think. You know, you have to ask my wife, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm in danger of being a homeless. But uh, I do I do spend uh, a, a significant amount of time each work week working with uh, veterans and finding out what their needs are. Uh, the VA is is a great thing to have, uh, and it's it's a no, very noble effort. But uh, it's kind of a huge bureaucracy. It's a lot for guys to try to deal with. And I would highly recommend to any veteran uh, if he's having difficulty getting the benefits he's earned, or doesn't know what benefits he's entitled to, uh, contact a service officer from from one of the. Uh, service organization, veteran service organizations, you know, uh, I do my work through the DAV, but also uh, the American Legion, the VFW, uh, a number of others are out there. Well, uh, quite frankly, Phil, uh, you hit on something that we're going to be introducing very shortly, is, is a new show dedicated to veteran benefits. And it's a shame that... Um, I've heard so many stories of veterans that I didn't even know I was eligible for that. And, you know, we do a, we do a pretty good job in the government of getting folks in, but we don't always do a real good job of getting them out. And uh, there are tons of veterans that didn't know what they were eligible for. And still don't, and their families, in particular, don't know what they, the benefits that uh, their their lost husband or their their husband may pass away after he gets whatever. But you know there are benefits out there. Our country has tried; they've just, in my opinion, just done a not so good job on on uh, showing what's available. Yeah. Uh, it's true. You know, the, the VA is not really resourced to go out there and find veterans and, and put the benefits in their hands. They're, they're only resourced to adjudicate, you know, what comes, what comes in to them, the requests they get, and that not too quickly. So, um, I, you know, and it's difficult. You know, some of these guys, you know, gave up their Ivy League Ivy League education opportunities to go carry a rifle or whatever, and uh, you know they maybe don't know all the nuances of you know administrative law and you know what these things mean. It's it's very frustrating to them uh, because they come from a place where you know if you you have a problem with somebody, you blow them up. <laughs> yeah, and that. Uh well, there's just 
a lot that a lot that civilians or people that have never been in the military need to know about their spouse or their brother, sister, whoever, whatever the case might be, uh, that could help them while they're still alive, still with us, or after they've passed. And uh, it's uh, we're going to try to help that out a little bit. Well, and also, you know, David, a lot of a lot of folks don't realize that uh, you know veterans, you know, they want to tough it out, and they think, okay, well, I don't need any any kind of handout, or I don't need any kind of help. But uh, if you if you pass away before your wife, you know, the the benefits that would accrue to her uh, for you having had a claim in with the VA are uh, a great deal more than. It, than uh, had you not put in your claim. Right. But um, anyway, uh, you know, there are so many things and so many things available and benefits. Not everybody gets uh, TriStar, but um, there are other options as well. Uh, One last thing that you would say to... uh, the veterans, Phil. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, we live we live in a wonderful country, and uh, you know it's had its faults. Uh, we've had military misadventures, uh, but it's not the fault of the troops. They've always gone and, and done the very best, and uh, always. Uh, just acquitted themselves in everything they've done um, and I just want to thank them uh, for serving for serving alongside of me uh, for serving me when after I hung up my spurs and saddle um, just uh, thank you so much I can't say thank you enough to these guys uh, because those of you who served, and now you know, if you served in peacetime or wartime, if you served in the reserve component or or on active duty, uh, you know, I count your service all the same. If you if you were a clerk or if you were a rifleman, you know, uh, I count all the same. Excellent service, and thank you for what you do, and for the guys that are serving on active duty, you know. Pay attention to the folks that went before you. They they learned lessons the hard way that you should take to heart. You know, it, it's um, the military. Is, in my opinion, is sort of like someone that's learning to sharpen a knife, and they just keep working at it until they get that as close to perfect edge on it as they can, and. Uh, uh, the the value of the military and this is throughout all branches is the uh, teaching and it doesn't matter what rank you are really uh, but the teaching of leadership and when you come out of the military at at whatever rank it is from well I wouldn't say necessarily PFC but once you get a couple of stripes and on up to one or two or three stars you are a leader and you've learned how to lead because you've learned how to take orders and now you're giving them and um, I just 
you know, I I can't ever say enough about the military. I I think it's uh, something that everybody should participate in, and uh, if they're if they're physically able to, and um, you know, like I said earlier, there's a position in the military to fill any desire that a person has, whether they want to be in electronics or uh, scuba diving or you name it. There's a branch that's got it for you. Flying, as you well know, Phil, and uh, there's there's a branch for you somewhere. There's a job for you in the military, and uh, they're looking for you, and I'll, I hope that so many people, I hope the people that are listening will pass this on, take it, and do something with it, and uh, help keep our military the best in the world. And uh, Go ahead, Phil. Well, I agree. I mean, uh, I've done things and, and been places and seen things uh, that uh, there's no way I would have been able to do them otherwise. Um, you know, I, I talk to people that, that uh, are just, you know, some of the pilots that I've flown with in my civilian career have, uh, you know, have told me, oh, I always wanted to fly a helicopter, you know, and... Uh, when I when I tell them I've flown attack helicopters, they uh, you know their eyes get real big, and it, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it's the kind of thing you 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 can't do that. You can't. I mean, you might be able to go pay somebody a few hundred dollars and take a ride in a Cobra gunship or something one day, but uh, really, you know, to know, to know what it's like to do that, uh, and there, and there's so many other things, you know. Anything from flying to, you know, uh, emergency medicine, you know, being a brass helmet diver or all these things. So many things in, in the services are just wonderful things to be able to do. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, the way it's going, we've proven what we've got. And with that being said, um, I think... It'll continue, and we will continue to be the best in the world, without question. Uh, at least I hope so. And our equipment is, again, the best in the world. And uh, I don't think anybody could argue with that. It's so good that uh, countries like China try to copy us in everything. Well, they're always a step behind. That's right. That's right. And they'll never... I don't think, in my opinion, they'll ever be a step ahead. They'll, they might try, and they might continue to pull their shenanigans, but uh, I don't believe they'll, they'll ever make it. Um, you know, I hope uh, you and your family have a, a wonderful Christmas, and, and that uh, our New Year brings relief to our veterans in many ways. And, uh, again, I ask that veterans go to our website and look at the many different things that we have to offer. And we would appreciate it if you know a veteran that needs prayer. Please sign up and and give us his or her name. And then we ask that all veterans chip in and pray for their brothers and sisters that have served, no matter where you are. And we are very, very blessed to have a, a good audience of veterans for all of our shows and uh, we we thank all of them and 
certainly, Phil, we thank you for your service and putting up with those darn sandstorms. But <laughs> it's my distinct pleasure, David. Did you? Did, let me ask. Did you ever take a bite and have grit in it? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, Maybe the difference between uh, Saudi Arabia and, and West Texas is we had a place to go inside. We could get away from it. Or you did. We didn't. Yeah, exactly. It was all around you. And and uh, and a, a tent doesn't keep it out very well either, does it? No. No. And you can only spend so much time in a tent before you got to get out. Yeah. Well, we do. I do thank you for your time and... Uh, time today as a matter of fact as well and uh again i I will politicize a bit of how important it is for us to vote and keep our military strong i agree and i i don't we have to have our checks and balances and uh if you haven't voted please vote and uh keep in mind who wants a strong military and who has said things against our country that I wouldn't repeat. So get yep. out and vote. Anyway, well we're gonna we're gonna put the plug in the jug that you all didn't have in Saudi Arabia and uh, uh, and we're not gonna drink some of that uh, well they used to call it uh, Two percent beer or something like that, or, or uh... well, this was guaranteed to be less than one half of one percent. Oh, okay. Well, that that wouldn't get you very far, would it? No, no. <laughs> well, Phil, it, as always, it's a pleasure. And again, I I hope you and your family have a great Christmas, and uh, we will talk to you the next time. All right, David. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas to you, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.